going to the book of the Psalms. So we're going to go to, just remember in the Psalms, it is not chapters, but each of them are individual Psalms. And so we're going to make, go easy on you. Uh, it's going to be the first Psalm that we're going to go to. If you uh, remember how to find things in your scripture, you can uh, pretty much take your Bible and split it in half and you're going to land in, probably in the Psalms. Quick way to find that. Amen. So the book of the Psalms, the first Psalm. When you have it, say amen. I'm still waiting to find mine, so one page at a time. <laughs> the first book of the or first Psalm of the book of the Psalms. Amen. Verse number. One, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. I've been wrestling going back and forth as to uh, what to teach tonight because we were done with our last series on uh, the, uh, the love of the world. And so uh, looking as to what we would teach next and, and I'm going to keep the theme going and I'm going to revisit another of the series that I taught a number of years ago uh, because uh, of new folks in the church needing to hear uh, certain teachings and, and things like that. And so this is one of those series that I wanted to revisit uh, for this reason. Uh, but it's also a good reminder for all of us. Because the world, as we just learned in our last series, is seeking to work its influence in our lives. And so we have to be reminded continually of what God's desire and plan for our lives is. So tonight we're going to begin uh, a series, uh, should probably only be a few lessons, uh, or I could try to get through it all tonight. Uh, I will let you know that there are 42 pages uh, in this lesson, or in this series. So if you're willing to stay, I'll, I'll be happy to teach, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll see how far the Lord gets us tonight. Is that okay? Amen. So uh, we are talking about the blessed man. The blessed man. Uh, the, the first psalm is the appropriate introduction to the book of the psalms. Because in this first psalm, it pronounces a blessing upon those who respond in faith and faithfulness to the Lord God Almighty. This God to whom they are faithful 
is the God of covenant. Covenant. Covenant is uh, agreement. It is, it is uh, like an oath. You're, you're swearing an oath, so to speak. So it, it's more than just a promise. It, you're, you are binding something to it. Okay? Uh, so, some of you have heard the old statement, you know, the old comment, I swear on my mother's grave. Okay? Well, don't do that unless your mother is dead. But, <laughs> but the, the fact is that you're, you're, you're binding something to it. You're adding an authority to it. And a covenant does that. It is, it is a binding agreement. Now, you will find that this blessed man is a man who understands, who, under, who adheres to the law of the Lord. But even more so than just doing the law, he loves the law. The blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. For this psalm to be placed at the forefront of the book of Psalms, it is significant in that it sets the tone for godly living and influence. It sets the tone of a right relationship of man with his creator. Everybody with me? Psalm 1 is one of the psalms that we call a wisdom psalm. It was not written by Solomon. Solomon wrote the Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. But, but this is one of those psalms that, that there are different categories. And one of these categories is wisdom psalms. It provides wisdom regarding godliness. Godliness being godlikeness or, or being like God, not as gods, but but uh, having the characteristics. God is love. God uh, it, it gives peace and joy and all these things. And so, so we take on the characteristics of our heavenly Father. Everybody with me? All right. So so this psalm provides wisdom regarding godliness, about the pursuit of God, uh, talks about uh, the, the our stance against worldliness and against its influence. It sums up so nicely and succinctly the need for a daily walk with the Lord. Did you hear me? A daily walk with the Lord and the need to cast off the ways of the enemy. The enemy of your soul. He's out there, folks. So as you will see, the writer, remember we talked about contrast last week, the writer contrasts shows the difference between the rewards of right living, of service to God, with the judgment and rejection of God. So what's, he shows the difference. If we live for God, the rewards are over here. If we reject God, the rewards are over here. I'll just put it that way. And so he shows the difference. So uh, over the next two to three weeks, or maybe all in one night if you are willing to stay, uh, we're going to be talking about the blessed man uh, as presented in this psalm. So notice first, when we talk about the blessed man, notice first that without the influence of ungodly, the path of the sinners, or the comfort of the scornful, the blessed man is blessed without those things. Got me? He's blessed without the ungodly influences, without the ways or the path of sinners, and without the comfort 
of those who are scornful. He's blessed without those things. So don't let the enemy of your soul trick you into thinking that you have to have or be like the world to still be happy. Thankfully, this, is, this, this lesson comes right on the heels of our series on uh, the love of the world. Don't let the enemy trick you into thinking that you can walk in the ways of God and the ways of the ungodly and still be happy and blessed. You ever tried to walk two paths at one time? Especially when they're going in different directions? It becomes extremely difficult. That's just putting it nicely. The world will leave you empty and will leave you longing for more, as the song says. And so what we're going to see here in these next few minutes uh, uh, is a graded decline. A graded decline. In other words, we're going to see the, the, the downfall, so to speak, in the stature of those who are not blessed as the man mentioned here. When you notice the degraded movement and lifestyle, the walking to sitting, or walking to standing to sitting. So you see the decline, the, 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 the stopping of movement and motion to, to standing in place and stagnating and, and then to ultimately being comfortable in your position in the decline that you have gone into. So we talk about the blessed man. The blessed man, first of all, as, as the writer says, walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Okay? Just make sure, you guys, as I'm teaching, make sure I'm staying in the Word. Okay? Make sure I'm staying in the Bible. So the blessed man walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. The idea of walking with someone. It presents the idea of closeness of fellowship, of spending time. Okay, so how many of you, how many of you, that's your love language, is, is quality time. <laughs> there you go. Got a couple, few. Okay, quality time. I, I enjoy spending quality time. I don't know if it's my love language, but it's, it's there. But, but the idea is, is spending time. There's, it's, there's a closeness that comes from that. We see this beginning in the Garden of Eden, Eden as Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. Uh, this changed the day that Eve wasn't walking with God or even seemingly with Adam. It all changed when Eve walked according to the counsel of the serpent. Okay? So to walk in their counsel, to walk means to uh, walk along or to pace, to walk continually. Okay? To be... Uh, conversant, to be at ease, to follow or to go. Those are the definitions that we find of that word walk. But to walk in those ways, to walk uh, in the counsel of the ungodly, means to seek influence. Not that you influence them, but that they influence you. You're seeking their influence on your life. It means that you're allowing them to give you counsel, to give you advice. It means that they give you purpose. You hear me? So to walk in the counsel of the ungodly, the ungodly are those 
who by definition are those who are morally wrong, who are guilty or condemned. That's the definition from the Scripture. Or, let me put it plainly, the wicked. Another way the Scripture puts it. So the ungodly are, are likened to or, or uh, synonym is the wicked. So we don't want the wicked influence in our lives. Can you have wicked influence and still walk with God? You can't serve two masters, Jesus said, remember? So you, you've got to choose a direction. That's why we repent. That's why Peter said it on the day of Pentecost. That's why Jesus preached it and, and John preached it. That's why the disciples preached it throughout the book of Acts. Is we need to repent. Repent is what? It's not just asking for forgiveness. It's not just sorrow. But it means I'm turning from walking this way to walking this way. I was walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, if I, if I follow the psalmist, I'm walking in the ways, in the delight of the Lord, of the law of the Lord. Okay? So to walk in the counsel of the ungodly is to seek their influence from those who are wicked. Who are these people? How do they influence us? They're, they are sinners. Okay, I'm just putting it plainly. Sinners. Don't ask spiritual advice from somebody who's walking in sin. Be very, be very, very careful. Those people could be family. Those people could be friends. They could be co-workers. They could be classmates. They could be teachers. They could be acquaintances. But understand, if they do not seek to follow Jesus, we must be extremely careful not to believe that they're going to lead us in the ways of righteousness. As Jesus said, it's like the blind leading the blind at that point. So, those who are the ungodly, who, who are... Uh, you are seeking their influence if you are uh, not the blessed man. Because the blessed man seeks not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. But those who are the ungodly seek to change your direction. We think that we can keep walking in righteousness and godliness because we're going to be the exception to the rule. That's just the way it is. I've seen too many people do that. I've seen, it, I've seen it happen far too often to believe that there are exceptions to the rule. If there are exceptions, it's only by the grace of God. So does the Scripture declare for naught, 2 Corinthians, Paul writes in chapter 6, verse 14, uh, to, and I, I mentioned this, I think, last week, maybe the week before, uh, but 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion, togetherness, has light with darkness? What concord does Christ have with Belial or the devil? Or what part does he have that believes with an infidel? And what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people 
Wherefore, he says, verse 17, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. When the devil tempted Eve, he changed her direction. And her company changed. The influence changed. It's easy for us to pause for a moment and just give ear. What are you saying? Folks, it happens all the time. That's why uh, Paul said to give no place to the devil. As, as some wise woman once said a few years ago, ain't nobody got time for that. Some of you are familiar with that. But it's all about influence. It's all about influence. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, Paul says, all things are lawful unto me. In other words, I can do whatever I want to. But then he continues and says, but all things are not expedient. In other words, they're not beneficial. You can, you can drive your car off a cliff. You're welcome to do so. But it's probably not as beneficial as driving on the road. Just, just think about that for a moment. But that, that just uh, makes the point is that all things, uh, Paul says, all things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful unto me, he says, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Power is that influence. It's all about influence. Who's got the influence? It's about changing who it is that you are listening to. The devil was able to get Eve to listen to him and not the voice of God. We saw that happen with Judas as he became influenced by the devil and betrayed Jesus. We see it multiple times through the scripture where influence changes someone's direction. Solomon, the wisest of men had everything he could ever want he knew the law of God in fact God had spoken to him directly if you will walk in my statutes as your father David did then your kingdom will last forever what did Solomon do he decided whether for political reasons, whether simply because he liked uh, the, the looks and the beauty of women, he took unto him 700 wives and 300 concubines. God helped that man. But what happened was is that those women began to exercise their influence on him. What, what he originally thought could never happen. That he would never not only build temples to false gods, but he would never worship false gods himself. 
but because now he's got 1,000 influential, influential voices speaking to him. Now he's building temples. Now he's going and worshiping with them. And his kingdom was not only taken from him, but was split, divided in two. And the only reason that happened was because of God's covenant with David, not Solomon. blessed man walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. In 2 Chronicles 22 verse 2 uh, 40 and 2 years old was Ahaziah when he began to reign. He reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was also or also was Athaliah the daughter of Omri. He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab. In case you're not aware Ahab was wicked. He was a wicked king. So, he, so uh, Ahaziah was walking in the ways, the wicked ways of Ahab. Why? Notice this. For his mother was his counselor to do wickedly. Wherefore he did evil in the sight of the Lord like the house of Ahab. For they were his counselors after the death of his father for his destruction. Isn't that amazing? Don't think that you're above the fray. That you can resist the influences. 2 Samuel 13, verse number 1. This is one of the, the saddest moments in my mind in Scripture. It came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David... Now, Absalom, he was, he was a good-looking dude. He was the... Uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, oh... He was a model. Fabio. He was the Fabio of his day. The long, flowing locks of hair. Blonde, flowing, curly hair. He was the Fabio of his day. Absalom, one of David's sons, had a fair sister. And her name was uh, Tamar, or Tamar, however you want to say it. And Amnon... The son of David loved her. There's some problems going on here, folks, just so you're aware. Family was messed up. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. He was lovesick for his sister. I told you there's problems going on. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her, but Amnon... Notice this, verse 3, but Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. He said unto him, why are you, being the king's son, lean from day to day and you're making yourself sick? Won't you tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar my brother's Absalom's sister. And Jonadab wielded his influence. And there's a whole story behind this that's just sick and twisted. But the saddest of, those, of the statements in there is that Amnon had a friend. 
And that friend wielded an influence that caused Amnon to step into gross, wicked sin. So who will you give ear to? Who has your ear? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10. This is the wise King Solomon who's writing. He says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Sounds pretty wise. Thank you, Solomon. If, if they say, Come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as they that go down into the pit. We'll find all precious substance. We'll fill our houses with spoil. Cast in with us. Let us all have one purse. My son, he says, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain your foot from their path. Do I need to explain that further? Don't go with them. But mom, they're my friends. Thankfully, I think all of us in here hopefully have grown past that. I think. If your friends drove off a bridge, would you? You've heard that. Who has the influence in your life? Are they people who will lead you astray? Because those who will lead you astray lack understanding of the way in which you're trying to walk. And they lack care for the way that you're walking. They're not, they don't care about you if they're causing you to go against the ways of the Lord. Very simply, many times, they simply want justification of their own actions. They want company while they're doing it. You're the accomplice. You're the accessory. Now, let me just flip this for just a moment. God help you if you're one who is leading somebody astray. If you're the one influencing somebody in an ungodly way. Folks, you need to know your Bible. You need to know how to apply the Scripture in your life. We'll get to that part in this psalm uh, maybe a little bit later tonight or in the next lesson. But Jesus warns in Matthew chapter 18, verse number 6. He said, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. In other words, he's talking specifically about the children, but... It, but the application, the principle that Jesus was teaching is that somebody who has come to him as a new believer, that if you offend them to the point that they are not walking with the Lord anymore, it's better for you that a millstone be hanged around your neck and you're thrown into the sea. That's what Jesus thinks about. That word offend in the Greek the original language that was written in is the word scandalizo. that sound familiar? Our English word scandal means to trap or to trip up. God help us if that's us. But 
Let's turn it around. Let's talk about the blessed man. The blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Hallelujah. The blessed man does not succumb to the influence of sinners. He doesn't get caught in the scandals of the ungodly. He's not led astray by the words that are contradictory to the word of God. Why? He's got no place for it in his life. When you fill your life with the word of the Lord and with the, the spirit and presence of God, there's no room for the foolishness and the folly of sin. I understand temptation happens, but when we're trying to walk with God, then we, we are seeking to cast off those temptations, to resist those temptations, to put off those ungodly influences. The blessed man has no place for sin or those things in his life because he understands the direction that he's walking, that there may be hills, there's going to be valleys, there's going to be trials and tribulation, but there's no better way to walk. There's not a better way to live. I've heard preachers for, for oh, decades now, and I believe it myself. So please forgive me if I borrow this from somebody else, but I have lived it for, for decades myself. Is that even if all of this was not real, which it is. But even if it's not, there's not a better way to live. We went out for Brother Lee's birthday party last night. He's getting old. And teasingly, I came, I came in tonight, just said, how are you doing with the hangover? Folks, we don't drink. So it was just a little, just a little tease. And, so, so, and, and, and then the conversation that we had was, isn't it nice that we don't have to worry about that? Isn't it nice that we don't have to worry not just about the effects of alcohol or drugs, that we don't have to have the effects of ungodly living potential diseases from sexual immorality. We don't have to worry about all the things that come with the ways of the world and sin. Hallelujah. The blessed man doesn't change his direction according to what sounds good, but he walks in truth because in case you haven't been aware over the last number of years, and it's been true for years before that, is you've got influences that are at work in this world through politics, through media, and other forms that are trying to work and wield their influence, and we've got to be careful not to get sucked in and pulled into those things. We simply walk in the ways of the Lord. Psalm 86, verse 11, the psalmist writes and says, Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth 
Unite my heart to fear thy name. John writes in his third letter, 3 John chapter 1, verse 4. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Amen. Essentially, what he's, what he's saying in that, in that instance in 3 John chapter 1, verse 4, essentially what he's saying is as like a pastor, is I have no greater joy than to see you living for God. Knowing that you've got struggles, that you've got decisions that you're making every day, and to see you make righteous and godly decisions is a joy to pastor's heart. Because I understand the influence that the world can have. But to see you walk in truth, awesome. It really joys the heart. I'll speak for myself of your pastor. I want to be like Enoch who walked with the Lord. I want to be like Moses who took counsel with the Lord. I want to be like the apostles and daily have a walk with Jesus. You see, the blessed man, sometimes happiness comes. Not in what you have or receive, but in what you abstain from. In what you resist or what you don't have. The blessed man walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. But nor does he stand in the way of sinners. So that you notice the transition from walking to standing. Okay? Motion has now ceased. Progress has been halted. It started with a direction, a change when you heard the voice of God calling you to Him. But now you're listening to a different voice. Now, instead of walking in the ways of, in the uh, counsel of the ungodly, now you're standing in the way of sinners. Now your direction has changed when the ungodly have spoken into your life and, and you began to heed their counsel. And now the degradation of your walk with God uh, brings you to that place of standing. To stand means to cease, to stay, to remain, to dwell. Paul writes and asks the rhetorical question. He says, what? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Go ahead, stand up for your rights. Stand up for yourself. Stand up for what you want to do. Justify yourself in your sin. That's what other sinners are doing. Pastor, you're judging. No judgment there. If, you're a, if you sin, you're a sinner. That's just what it is. If you steal, you're a thief just what it is what matters is whether you will stand in the way of the sinners whether you're going to continue to be a sinner because what happens is that becomes the place in which you dwell 
standing in the way of sinners. Paul said that we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Get out of the way. The way of sinners. That Hebrew word for way is, uh, please forgive me for this, Brother Derek, but it is the word Derek. <laughs> the Hebrew word for way is Derek. It means a road. Figuratively, it refers to a course of life or a mode of action. In the King James, it's translated as way or toward or journey. So what way are we talking about? We're talking about the way of sinners. The way of, uh, uh, according to God's law, of the criminal. Put it that way. Those that are guilty. Proverbs 14.12 tells us that there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. In the book of Judges, we find numerous times where the scripture states that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That is one of the scariest statements in all of scripture. That every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Don't worry about what God says. Or, well, God would be okay if you did that. God loves you the way you are. God sees your heart, which is our way of justifying the actions that we're taking. Anybody with me? All right. Okay. Matthew 7, verse 13. Jesus says, to enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. I can tell you there's more people in the clubs, in the bars, tonight here in Sarasota than there are in any church. Isn't that sad? But the reality is that God is calling us to His way. Isaiah 30, verse 21, the prophet says, Thine ears shall hear the word behind you, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. When you turn to the right, when you turn to the left. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Throughout the book of Acts, we find the life of those in the church. You know what they called it? They called it the way. That if you were part of the church, you were part of the way. Isn't that cool? I'm glad to be a part of the way. In Jesus' name. Acts chapter 9, verse 2. Acts chapter 19, verse 9. 19, verse 23. 24, 14. 24, 22. Each of them speaking of the church being in the way. The way. Jesus declared of himself, speaking to his disciples, he said, I am the way. And he called to his, not only his disciples, but to all who would come 
He's called them to follow me. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Where are you going? Why are you standing there? Why are you standing in the way of sinners? Amen. I'm going to go ahead and stop there tonight. I won't continue on for the, the other 42 pages. But you've heard... For those who have been in the church for any length of time here in Sarasota, you've, you've heard me teach multiple times that when you cease to be the influence, when it comes to people who are not in the church, who are uh, still living a life of sin, when you cease to be the influence in their life, and they become an influence in yours because I'm going to tell you it's one way or the other. You're either influencing them or they're influencing you. If you stop being the influencer, you need to cut that relationship off. And that's harsh. Pastor, that sounds, sounds like you're being judgmental and legalistic. Not at all. You're not doing them any good and you're not allowing them to do any good to you. So tell me who benefits. The devil sure likes it. So when you're talking about your relationships with the, with the world around you, as hard as it sounds, as difficult as it may be, if you are not the influencer toward godly living and godly thinking, you do need to cut that relationship off because all that's going to happen is they're going to influence you. They're going to be the, the counselors of the ungodly. And in case you missed it, when you read the psalmist writing, in verse number one, the blessed man, is blessed because he's not walking in the counsel of the ungodly, nor is he standing in the way of sinners. And we'll finish that verse up next week, nor is he sitting in the seat of the scornful. So who are you influencing, and who is influencing you? You may get to a point that you've got to be you've got to cut a relationship off because it is a, a negative influence to your walk with God. That is a difficult place to be. And before you do that, you go to the Lord in prayer and you pray, you pray, you pray and you pray. God, change their hearts. Change their mind. Change their living draw them to you don't just pray that God would cut the relationship off pray for their salvation
And if they do not change, because God is not going to take their will away from them, but if they do not change and that influence continues to work on you, at that point you pray, God, give me the strength and the courage. Folks, it takes courage. When you read the book of Joshua, and I'm, I'm almost, I'm going to end with this. When you read the book of Joshua, three times in the first chapter of the book of Joshua, as Joshua is, is now the new leader of the people of Israel, Moses has now died. And Joshua gets to be the one to lead God's people into the promised land. God tells Joshua three times in the first chapter to be strong and courageous, to be strong and of good courage. Because when they go into the land, they are going to have to fight for that land. Although God is giving it to them, they still got to do some work for it. But if they do what God commands, then they are going to live in cities with walls that they did not build. They're going to have uh, uh, vineyards and, and fields with harvest that they did not plant. That's, that's what the scripture tells them. But they had to have the courage because God told them that they need to, to cast those other nations out. And what you read later on in the book of Joshua, when Joshua's influence is waning because of his age, he's not as, as involved. Now the, 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 the people of God are, are now spread throughout the land, so, so the, the influence is not as great for Joshua. And what are they doing? They're letting those nations stay. instead of doing what God told them to cast them out. Why is that important? Because what you see in the next book, in the book of Judges, is that those nations continue to be a thorn in the side of Israel. Those nations work their influence toward idolatry and worship of false gods. And it's that influence that generations later causes the kingdom of Israel to be brought to nothing and they're taken captive because they went a whoring after false gods because they didn't cast out the influence I know it's a hard thing but I'm telling you what if you do it right you do it in a godly way with love that, that very conversation not only is, can potentially save you, but that conversation might even save them. Let's stand tonight. I want to be a blessed man. I want to be the blessed man that the psalmist is writing about. Amen. God, we love you tonight. Thankful. So thankful, Lord, for your word, for your spirit, for your power, your presence in our lives. 
Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that in this first lesson that we have taken from uh, this first psalm, that, God, you would help us to have a desire to be that blessed man that the writer speaks of, that you would give us courage, God, through, through your spirit to reject ungodly counsel, to reject the way of sinners, that we would walk as we're going to read and learn uh, of your word, Lord, that, that we have a delight in your law and we walk in it and we meditate upon it, that, God, you are going to provide to us the way in which we need to walk. You're going to show us, Lord, how to live, that you want to bless us. And I pray, God, that in this desire, that in this, this opportunity that you give to us, Lord, give us courage to walk in your way in spite of all other influences. And I pray, get, help us, empower us to bring as many people with us as we possibly can. We give you praise, and we pray, Lord, that you would be glorified in our daily living. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Dismiss.